Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Yeah, I'm so thankful, uh, you know, for, for anything, really. I'm probably, I don't know if you can be too thankful, but I just enjoy any little thing that, you know, and I'm so humbled because um, <clears throat> we come to some place like this and we get treated like royalty and we're not royalty. And it's hard. It's easier to give than it is to receive. And um, so anyway, we have several team members here now, we, and we had two more uh, show up. These people, uh, like I said before, are amazing, and I, I love them like family. Actually, I love them better than family. There's some family members I don't want to talk about. <laughs> but I forgive them. Um, all of these teams will be able to pray for healing, and they'll also prophesy over you. And I'm going to tell you right now, it'll blow you away. You will be so amazed and so touched from the presence of God. Um, and, and this is really going to be fun. It has been uh, Jana and mine um, desire to come up and bring a team on Thursday nights and just minister to your team. We've wanted to do that for a long time, so this is really uh, an honor for us to be able to do that. These people that are here from our team, you just let them know that you're going somewhere, and they'll beat you to the car. Um, they're just that kind of people. They are very gifted in the prophetic and knowledgeable about healing. They all have their name tags on, and so you know that they're with our team. Um, we, you don't? Oh my gosh. We can pray for that. Actually, Sherry lives in South Denver, and she drove up today. So anyway, what we're going to do, and I hope this, I hope this works, because if it doesn't, oh, oh well. An answer to prayer. I don't know. You take care of that. Uh, we can do four. Uh, you, you. So anyway, these people are very gifted and they're very loving and compassionate. And I know that the Lord is, has got something special for you. Okay. If you have a phone that will record, a smartphone, you don't? Actually, I have a smartphone that's looking for a smart owner. <laughs> but anyway, if you have a smartphone that will record, you will want to record this. Okay? Um, I brought my laptop so I could email you back your recordings, but I forgot the re... My recorders are sitting at home on my desk. So anyway, uh, what we do in the healing rooms is we record uh, all of our prophetic sessions, and for those people that want it emailed to them, we will email them a copy. So they hear it as they're in the room with them, and then I will email them a copy that they can keep and listen to over and over and over. Um, so anyway, the way that we're going to work this is 
I'm going to put a number up here. And that, you know, we'll, we'll start at the beginning. I'll put a number up here. And somebody is going to come up from one of the teams. Somebody's going to come up from one of the teams. And they will take this number. And then what they will do is they'll erase that number and write the next number. When you see your number up here, or somebody standing up here looking at you, wondering, where are you? Okay, they may point to the number. Because I'm going to keep teaching. Okay, I'm going to keep teaching, and you will rotate in and out. Um, since there's so many teams now, eventually we we're going to just go with like 12 minutes. We can go a little bit longer than that. All right? I tell you what's going to happen is because you guys are amazing. And I'm not just saying that because you're looking at me. You can just sense in the, in the, you can just sense in the room that there's an openness and that there's a hunger and there's a willingness. And you want all that God has for you. And that's really hard on a prophetic person because then they don't know when to be quiet. Because, because your spirit literally just draws out everything from their spirit. And it just could go on for days. Okay? So they're all assigned rooms. They're all assigned teams. We have four teams now? We have four teams. Uh, they'll come up and they'll look at this number. So whoever has number one, and then the next person will come, that person, that team leader will erase that number and put the next number. The next team leader will erase that number and put the next number. So they will come up and they will get you and they will take you back to the room that they're assigned. The eraser and the pen is, is, in, the, is in the tray there. Okay? Are we good? I guarantee you, you're going to be blessed. And before I let you go, you know, I, I get a lot of times, you know, um, what are you? Are you, a, are you a pastor? Are you a teacher? Are you a... What are you? You know what? I'm whatever God wants, needs me to be. That's what I am. I'm a janitor. You know, I, I, <laughs> I do windows. But um, I like to look at myself as I plant seeds. And I love planting seeds. Uh, back there on the counter somewhere, there's a stack of mini books. T.L. Osborne, 100, 100 Healing Facts. And there's the little blue books. Can I have those? Vanna? Where you I'm over here, honey. So anyway, what I want to do is I want to plant seeds, which means I want to give some stuff away because I believe in good soil and because I'm smart enough to know that when you sow seed, it returns back to you. One of, uh, one of oh, yeah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Duh. One of the people here has lost a $100 bill. And it's folded up very, very small. And $100 is a lot of money. And she's been working diligently in the kitchen and, and preparing food and carrying it up and down from her car and doing all that. So if you see $100, all folded up really small, she would like it back. But your other assignment is to pray over that $100 before you give it back and see if God multiplies it. 
Wouldn't that be fun? So anyway, I want to give some stuff away. Here's a book that says, Don't Stop Laughing Now. And, and laughter is, is a, a great medicine. Okay, we don't laugh enough. A lot of us have lost our joy and, and haven't done it. And this book is full of just great little stories that will tickle your funny bone and strengthen your, strengthen, strengthen your faith. So whoever wants that, come get it. This is a book, it's called 365 Days of Healing. It's a prayer for every day. Uh, this is a, a book that we recently started uh, getting at our healing rooms, and these are, are going very, very quickly. And it's almost like a devotional type of thing, but I think you would really enjoy it if somebody would like that. I talked about this book, How to Minister to Specific Diseases. Okay, and this will list stuff out. You're welcome so much. In a few minutes, I'm going to talk about The Believer's Authority. This book is written by Kenneth Hagin and is a classic. And it's not a very thick book. It's a very quick read, but it's, it's awesome. It's a book that, that helped me know what my authority was. And again, that it's not arrogance and it's not bragging. It's just I know that I know. It's a confidence that, that Jesus trusts me enough to stand in front of you and say stuff. Okay? I have one more copy. You want to fight about it? Yeah. There you go. Bless you. Enjoy that. A book by Bill Johnson, The Center of the Universe. A nice look at the lighter side. Uh, Bill Johnson, I, I don't know if you know him or not. Oh, yeah. Okay, amazing teacher, uh, pastor, uh, author. Uh, his stuff is just fun to read. I've got to tell you, when I first started to watch Bill Johnson, uh, I didn't understand him. You know, and we watched, the, we watched the first DVD, and I looked at Jan, I go, did you get anything out of that? And it's like, no, we, we didn't. We shut it off. We shelved Bill Johnson for about six months. And then we turned it back on. And all of a sudden, the light came on. We understood what he was saying. And it was like, you know, he always gives the people in the audience a hard time because they don't, amen, hallelujah, you know. But everything he says is so profound. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I quit taking notes. Whenever I had a chance to sit in the audience where he was teaching, I just quit taking notes and I buy the DVD. Because if you take notes, you miss... You, you'll miss 10 other things. He's an amazing man. Quantum Faith. This is a fun little book about, from Ann Capps. Um, you know Charles Capps, her dad. Uh, this book will stretch you. It's a lot of fun. And, and it talks just about the, you know, um, the physics of things that we deal with in faith. So anyway, whoever wants this. And I have another one, whoever wants that. God's Creative Power for Healing by Charles Capps. Um, again, it's a small mini book. When we were new, we gave one of these books away to everyone that came into the healing rooms. And then we started to grow and that got too expensive. <laughs> we are a non-profit organization. And that's a fact. But uh, anyway, 
I have one more, if somebody else would like this. Okay. And then 100 Divine Healing Facts from T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne is a, Thank you. is a general in the faith. And it is an amazing man of God, or was, still is, in my opinion. Okay, so we good? So there's, I've planted. And the reason, and, and the reason I planted is because I love to plant. I have a guy on my team that has really stretched me in that area. Because I did not grow up with a lifestyle of giving things away. I'm not a hoarder by any chance, but, you know, things in life have always been tight but I'm trying to work at God's economics. In three weeks, we are going to Lake Providence, Louisiana, which at one time was the poorest city in the nation. And we, <laughs> we're teaching at a women's conference for healing in the prophetic. And I want, I, want to give, uh, I want to give a lot of books away. And so I'm sowing books into you, knowing that God is going to multiply that back to me, and I'm going to be able to do that. And, you know, the other day I was thinking, oh, how am I doing? I've spent a lot of healing room money in the, in the last week buying books and getting ready to go. But that's not my deal. That's his. So, you know, okay, Dad, take care of it. Okay, let's get started. Um, if one of uh, person from each team would come up and just start going through these numbers. We are recording this. You people will not miss a thing. Um, any questions about this stuff? Go ahead. Any questions about what we've covered so far? There's a big section in your book on deliverance, and it breaks it down into um, it breaks it down into uh, to strong men. It breaks it down into uh, demonic manifestations. It breaks it down into. Um, different uh, physical outbreaks that could happen, um, you know, and it talks about the Jezebel spirit, which is a controlling spirit. I probably have way too much in here on the demonic, but that's what we're struggling with. That's what we're fighting for. We need to know who our enemy is and what he is like so we can defeat him, and we can defeat him. It talks about ungodly soul ties. And a soul tie is, is when a person is in a relationship with another person, and it's not, actually, it's not necessarily a sexual relationship, but where one person starts to um, have control over another person in an ungodly way, dictating what they'll do, what they won't do. And, and basically in there, you give part of yourself away to that person, and you take something from them. So there's an exchange. And to break that ungodly soul tie um, will get you some freedom and it will also um, um, get you back what you've lost. In, a, in an area, say, of, uh, of a divorce where uh, you have a couple that has been intimate with each other and have shared things together, uh, they have taken a little piece of each other back and forth. And basically what we want is we want God to um, break that soul tie. And whatever that person took from me, I want back. And whatever I took from them, I'm giving back to them. I want a clean break. 
And that's what that is. And so to, for people to go into a new relationship, a healthy relationship, all that stuff in the past is taken care of. There's no baggage or anything. And they can go into this thing, you know, clean and refreshed and ready to go and blessed. On page 53, you'll see prayers of deliverance from uh, Pastor Rodney Hogue. And I, I showed you his book on forgiveness a little bit ago. Here are some prayers type things that you can just read through and and you can break I mean you can do forgiveness you can do generational curses you can break word curses all kinds of things okay but the but the deliverance that we do is is not hollywood and basically it's just the stuff that we deal with every day and um, and it's, it, Bill Johnson refers to them as like Velcro demons. You know, stuff where you just, they attach themselves to you, you peel it off and you throw it away. Um, if you live out in the country, you would call them stickers or cockleburs or goat heads or whatever. That's what those are. So we good. Any questions about any of that? Okay. It's going to work. I know it's going to work. So let's talk about the anointing. On page 55. The anointing is uh, charisma, a smearing, a rubbing, endowment, consecrated. Look it up in the Word and you see anointing oil or a sweet incense. To consecrate something, to fill, to be full, armed, abundance, accomplished, and confirmed. To walk fully in the anointing, you must die to self. Some of us are not good at dying to self. Other people are very good at dying to self. I tell my children all the time, I'm dying to self, and I will watch that program. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but it is. It's, it's not about you. It's not about your agenda. The, the one thing that we that we want when somebody comes into the healing room to be a part of the ministry is, you know what, lose your agenda. It's not about you. You know, you go back to the guy, well, I've been healing people for 30 years. No, you haven't. You, you, you don't understand. And it's about serving others, and it's about being there all the time. Um, it's not about you. Like I said last night, there's times when, you know what, you just don't feel like going. And it's not just to the healing rooms. If you've ever been a part of a small group or if you've ever been a, uh, you know, a part of a church or anything, there's those times when you're just wiped out. You've had a tough day. You're not in the right frame of mind. And, and if you press through and you go anyway, it was awesome. You'll have the best time you've ever had because you pressed through and you did it. In the healing rooms, it's really difficult. It's almost impossible for us to uh, close the healing rooms. We are open every Monday night. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons for our success. And I can see uh, that's one of the things that you're dealing with right now. You've had to move. Uh, you know, you're, play, you're almost playing hide-and-go-seek, guess-where-we-are-now type of deal. Uh, we've only moved once in, in 10 years. And... Um, but we're there every Monday night. 
but I still have people that call every Monday. Are you open tonight? And it's like, duh, yeah, why wouldn't we be? Um, I do have on our website that if it's really bad weather, call me. The, my cell phone is the, same, is the same number on all of our stuff. You know, you could text me, you can call me. Excuse me. Um, I answer my phone all the time. I don't screen calls. I get calls from everywhere. And, you know, there, honestly, there's sometimes I hesitate in picking it up, but the Lord always lets me know to pick it up. Uh, we do a tremendous phone ministry, and I, I don't know why, but we do. Uh, we have people, like I said last night, that call us from all over, not just for prophetic, but for healing as well. I had a gentleman that called me every Thursday night, like clockwork, because he was dealing with some stuff, and he lived in Colorado Springs. And um, I just knew his call was coming, and I knew what time it was coming, and so I just made myself available right then and there. If I don't answer my phone, then you leave me a message, and I will call you back. If you don't leave me a message, I figure it's not that important, I'm not calling back. But you die to self. Number one, the Holy Spirit is our helper. If somebody would read Luke eleven thirteen, please. Exactly. And the key, the key there is the second to the last word. Ask. You have to ask. Okay? Again, a lot of us don't feel worthy enough that we should ask. He's got bigger things to deal with. I mean, he's got wars and he's got famine and he's got all this other stuff. And here I'm asking for whatever. Well, whatever is just as important to him as the wars and the famines, and he's got that under control. He appreciates you taking it easy on him and giving him some time to rest, but God's big enough, he can handle it. And so ask. And I would tell you that you don't ask big enough or often enough. If somebody would re read Luke 12.10, please. Okay, the unforgivable, unforgivable, is that right? Unforgivable sin, unforgivable sin, is a blaspheme the Holy Spirit, and basically that's the person who who totally just refuses and rejects Jesus as Lord and Savior, and and uh, would go about trying to destroy everything that he's about. But then you look at people like Paul who did the same thing. Here, let me hold your coat while you stone that guy. <laughs> you know. Oh, by the way, here's a bigger rock. A guy can turn hearts around. John 14, 26, if somebody would read that. Okay. That's his job. That's his job to remember to teach you everything you need to know and to remind you all that Jesus said and did. So ask, ask him. You know, when we started to get into this, it's like, Lord, I don't get a whole lot of words of knowledge. When I pick up a folder, I, I just don't see anything. I want I want more words of knowledge. 
I want accurate words of knowledge. I want pictures. I want words. I, I don't see pictures like other people see pictures. I want that. So I start asking. Every day I ask for that. And I started to get that. Then it got into, um, then it got into deliverance. Lord, I didn't ask for a deliverance ministry. I don't know why you're sliding this in here. You know, um, but Lord, if this is what you have for me, then I need to know. Holy Spirit, you need to teach me everything I need to know about deliverance. I had a dream one time that I was in, um, in, the, in, in the back of a church, and it was, I, it was like a Catholic church or, or, or a uh, Lutheran-type church where there's a room where the priest gets ready and he puts his robes on. And I was in that room in this dream. And I went to approach this person, and I was thrown back against the wall. And in the dream, I thought, well, that's really weird. I wonder why that happened. And so I got up, and I approached him again, and I got thrown back against the wall. Well, I'm not a rocket scientist, but I know there's a pattern here now. And so the third time I got up, and I approached him, and I was thrown back against the wall. And what the, the, what the Holy Spirit showed me later was that I was not prepared to deal with that entity. You know, it was a dark figure. I didn't actually see uh, a face or anything like that. But what it was telling me was, you had better be ready. You had better know what, what's going on before you get into this. You know, and this is, this is big stuff. Um, and I said, okay, Holy Spirit, this is what you need to teach me. I need to know about this. Then it was the prophetic. And the prophetic people are a little weird. <laughs> I can say that because Jan is not in the room. <laughs> I didn't see that. They're just, they just, you know what? They, they look at things different. They hear things different. They're like artists. Artists are a different breed of people. They think with the other side of their brain. And you've got to be open to that, you know, and, and just let it happen. Uh, we have gone to a place, uh, a church down in Denver that is, is all prophetic, even prophetic worship. Uh, do you know who Kim Clement is? Very, uh, you know, very, uh, uh, very prophetic, and he sings, he sings songs he makes them up as he goes because it's, it's prophetic. So I'm in this church one night, and everybody is jumping up and down and bouncing and singing right along with him. And I'm like, what is he saying? You know, I did not understand it at all. And it's like, this is so confusing to me. I'm missing this. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. But then, then it finally dawned on me that he was making this stuff as, as he went, and that's why I, I didn't, I'm just not wired that way. Um, like I said, I, I'm more of a person of, I like things to kind of go like this, but I'm learning to kind of go like this a little bit more. Uh, we have intercessors. Intercessors are a very strong and key point of the healing room ministry. Intercessors and prophetic people see into the heavenly realm. And they see what's going on before anybody else. And they're tuned into that. And so uh, our, our intercessors and prophetic people um, have no problem calling me and texting me and sending me emails about what they're seeing and what they're sensing and, and letting me know what's going on. They have no problem um, 
holding me accountable for things that I've said or things that I've done that I may not see that there's anything wrong with that, but they take a different twist on that. And, I, and so I honor them and try to follow that. There's a book back there written by uh, Danny Silk, who is uh, an associate pastor with Bill Johnson in Reading. He oversees the school of ministry out there. And he wrote an amazing book about the culture of honor. Absolutely amazing book and puts it in order. Where here, what we do is we have, we have uh, you know, pastors at the, top of the, at the top of the ladder in our church. And then we, you know, and then there's, you know, deacons and da 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 And prophetic people are not in that upper ladder. And realistically, they should be on the top. And they should be letting the pastor know what they're seeing in the spiritual realm. It's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing book. Okay. John 20, 22. When he, Jesus, had said this and breathed on him, and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who by the power at work within him is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine. That's the same Holy Spirit that we're asking and imagining for stuff. And we feel guilty that we're asking for stuff when other things are going on. What are some of the things that you're asking for? What are some of the things that you're believing for right now? You don't have to say it out loud. But then you can go and you can imagine it being bigger and better and stronger and healthier. I love it when things are impossible because then God gets all the credit. You know, when it's impossible. God loves to do the impossible. He really does. He, I mean, I think he just almost giggles at doing the impossible because it just blows us away and we sit there like a little kid going, I don't believe that. And, and, and he does that because there's, it, it could only be him. It could only be him. And like I said, for the healing room ministry, you know, I laid hands on a building, a, a, a ridiculously large building. There's no way that we could fill that building in some people's mind. I could fill that building. You know what? I would, I would build rooms. If you could imagine an old grocery store, it's, not as, it, it, it's an old, like an old Safeway store. It's already got all the air conditioning and all the electrical that would ever need to be there. But you could almost open, you know, you could, you could have like 10 or 15 healing rooms, and one of those healing rooms could be set up, like I said last night, for a gurney or for that type of person. You could, you could have another, uh, you know, five or so uh, prophetic rooms, and these rooms would be, you know, running all the time. You could have a, a, an auditorium that would seat eight, 800 to 1,000 people, and you could minister and you could teach all, you know, have teaching ongoing all the time. Um, I have a real heart for other ministries that want to get up and running because I, I am one. Um, I would like to be able to offer space uh, at whatever they can afford to pay, uh, whenever they can pay it, and open it up to Christian ministries, counseling, uh, financial counseling, 
financial peace universities or, or marriage counseling or, you know, just open it up to them. And they could just do it off of donations or whatever they get, but they have a place, a foothold in the community to do that. I see an apostolic training center equipping and releasing people into their ministries and into their destinies. And, you know, evangelists and teachers and, and missionaries and things like that. Um, I could see doing uh, a, a, an amazing bookstore that, you know, would have uh, a tremendous amount of the prophetic and the healing and, and all these different titles that are hard to find and, and have them on shelf where people could get them. You know, and if you want to sell T-shirts and water bottles and all that stuff, I don't care. I don't want to manage it. I just want to have a place where people can come and get this stuff. Um, there are very few places other than healing rooms that I know about where a pastor can go and get prayer and not be judged. Okay? A lot of churches would sit there and say, oh, my pastor's got problems? Oh my gosh, what's wrong with him? Is he going to quit? You know, and just start... I love ministering to pastors um, because it's safe and it's private and it's confidential. And you know what? They got stuff too. And they need a place to go and recoup and, and gather and get fed into. When we were invited up to Laramie five or so years ago, we did a class up there um, for some people that, you know, I said I would come and, and, and do a class and and they held me to it, and I went and I did this class. Well, unbeknownst to me, there was a local pastor there. And he goes, I'm just here to check you out. I said, awesome. I want you to check me out. I want you to hold accountable for everything I say, because if it's not right, God's going to hold me accountable. And I don't want to be one of those pastors. I don't want to be one of those teachers. I take it very seriously. And, I, you know, he was looking at me through a real critical eye, and I love that. I really do. And, uh, and, and God really touched him. And it was um, Pastor Allen over at uh, Laramie Christian Center. Pastor Allen Engel. And uh, uh, just an amazing, compassionate man. And we, we've built a great relationship and a great friendship. But he was there to check me out. And I, like I said, I just, I just laughed. I just, yes. We've had a lot of pastors in Loveland come check us out. What they do is they, they think they're real sneaky about it and send their associates or their, their youth pastors or their, 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 their family pastors. And it's like, I know where you're from. Except for the vineyard pastor, Pastor uh, Vern. Pastor Vern has no problem. Him and his wife are just awesome people, and it's fun to just pour into them. And, and build them up and lift them up. And actually, he offered us one night, a, a night at his church to come and share about our ministry and, and offer a place for people to plug in. You want a place to plug in? You want to you you do the stuff? You want to you know, practice? You want to, you know? And so he did that. And what an honor. And, and we have several people on our team that are from the vineyard. Um, and to be connected with the vineyard with the legacy and the history of John Wimber and that. I'll tell you a vineyard story. Um, it doesn't really go along with this, but it kind of does. But um, There was a young associate pastor 
we were going to a Baptist church, and he was into the Holy Spirit, you know, before I even know what that was. And uh, we went to John Wimber Conference down in Denver, um, and one of the ladies we were with manifested full-blown demon. I mean, she, she hovered up off the ground, and she arched, and she did all this stuff, and that freaked me out. I, you know, I'm a little Catholic boy. That just, that, that was bizarre. The team swooped in, got her, took her back off to a private room, worked with her, and she came back like 30 minutes like nothing ever happened. It's like, what was that all about? So one day I'm sitting in, uh, it was a Saturday morning, we went down to this thing at the vineyard in Boulder. And um, I'm sitting there and I'm watching, I'm pretty critical. Because when it comes to ministry, I don't want to see anybody being pushed over. You know, you're going to fall, your God's coming. And you push them over, I, you know, I'm not into that. And um, at all. And this guy next to me, full-blown manifestation, demonic manifestation. And I'm just going, wow, this stuff is bizarre. And instead of getting up and leaving like my body wanted to do, I'm just looking at this guy because I want to learn all I can about this now. And again, the vineyard team came over right away. They didn't take him anywhere. They just ministered. Right. I had a front row seat. This was awesome. And they ministered to the guy, and after 10 minutes, he was fine. And he was up walking around, joking, talking, drinking coffee. And like, how does that work? I just couldn't figure that out. I understand now, but I love the vineyard. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. And he's here to teach us and train us the things that we don't know, that we don't understand. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask this. Who here has had the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of a prayer language? Okay. If you haven't and you want that, we can pray for that. Does it make you any more spiritual? No. Does it make you any special? Do you get into uh, clubs that you wouldn't get in anywhere else? No. <laughs> Not that I've ever tried, but I'm sure you wouldn't. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues or having a prayer language is another weapon in your arsenal to do battle against the enemy. That's all it is. Um, when you don't know what to pray or how to pray, if you have a prayer language, you can use that, and that is a direct communication line with God. And the devil, it just confuses him. He doesn't know what you're talking about. He doesn't know what it is. Um, he would love to tell you that it's just your flesh and it's, or, or, or bad gas. It's not a prayer language. But it is amazing. And that is, again, something I didn't have. And I, and I asked for it repeatedly for a long time, and I finally got it. And... Um, and it's amazing. But that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If somebody would read Acts 2 4, please. Okay, and Acts 4 31. Okay. And Acts 9, 17, please. Okay. Acts, Acts 10, 44, 45. 
and, and a lot of the apostles were, you know, like, what's going on? This isn't for them. This is just for us. And even, even the Gentiles were getting it. It's for everybody. Everybody who asks. Acts 11.15, if somebody would read that. Okay, so the Holy Spirit can come in a lot of different ways. Jesus breathed on them. He came over them. Uh, he came next to them. Uh, he fell on them. Um, there's no specific way that the Holy Spirit wants to come. He just comes, and he just keeps coming. There's never an end to the Holy Spirit. He just keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. And like I said, it, you, you read your Bible and and you want revelation about a, a verse, and you stay there until you understand it, the Holy Spirit will turn that verse, and he'll give you a new meaning to one of the words in that verse, and it totally changes the context to that. So read your Bible slow and out loud. Number three are the gifts of the Holy Spirit on page 56. Got you covered. Somebody read 1 Corinthians 4, or 12, 4 through 12. Is what it is. Okay. Some people would like to believe that this all ended when the disciples ended, or when the, the when the original twelve the, the disciples were no longer, and it doesn't say that anywhere in the Bible. A matter of fact, you are a disciple of Christ. Okay, an apostle is just one that is 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 sent, is called out, is sent. That's what an apostle is. And so, there's never been a time where this has been wrong. Do people get into the flesh with it? Oh yeah, they do. It's just like the prophetic. People get into the flesh, and you've got to discern that, and you take what's good. And you take what's bad and you throw the bad away and you keep the good. Um, where we're going down in Louisiana, those people have been uh, very abused by the prophetic and, and have been hurt by the prophetic. And they're not really sure they want anything to do with the prophetic. Um, you know, it, uh, people in the church have been hurt more by other people in the church than anybody else. We've all been in one way or another, have been abused and hurt by the church. But we have to keep going. We have to keep trying. And the fruits of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, if somebody would read that. Okay. I think that just describes who God is. That's who God is. He is all those things. A lot of churches still teach that God is angry and, and he's just waiting for the other shoe to fall and he's going to wipe you off the earth. You know? And that's not true. You know, we read earlier that life, God gave us the power of life and death in our tongue. I don't even think he can kill us anymore unless we give him the okay. Because he gave us that power. That'll stretch you. 
Number five, humility. If somebody would read 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. And Matthew 18, 3 and 4. Okay. Have to, you have to stay humble. You have to be humble. Um, it's very humbling for me to, on one hand, stand here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and, and share my heart and share what I've learned about this uh, healing thing. And on the other hand, it's very easy for me to do that because I know what he wants me to do. Uh, it's very hard for me to be treated like I'm something um, special, unique, um, because I don't feel that I am. I feel, you know, uh, it's harder for me to receive than it is to give. Uh, you know, I love to give. I love surprises, other people. Um, ever since I've had cancer, I've become a crier, which catches me off guard sometimes. Um, and what that is, is that the, that's the compassion of God. It's just compassionate. It's just overwhelming. Um, to see people hurting that don't need to be hurting. Uh, but I'm compassionate by others. Others, uh, When other people bless me with stuff. You, I'll give you an example. I, uh, one Christmas, um, my daughter gave me a a brand new, really nice Dell computer. Caught me completely off guard, spent the next two hours crying. Because, just because of the generosity, because, because, you know, I didn't feel that I was worth it. It was too extravagant. It was too, it was too nice. It was like, I couldn't believe that she would do that. Um, you know, but to see the compassion, you look at, you, you watch, you watch movies even Christian movies or non-Christian movies, where you see a relationship between a, a father and a son or a husband and a wife, and, and you, you know, I feel the love, I feel the compassion, I'm drawn into the story, I know what God's heart is there, and that compassion, it, it, it gets me. You know, to have God's compassion for his people, um, it's a great gift. Unless we change and become like little children, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love kids. I, you know, I, I, uh, I have a special part uh, in my heart for children. Uh, I've helped in children's ministry for a long time. Uh, whenever kids come into the healing rooms, uh, Virginia always gives them to me. Because when you pray for children, it's got to be shortened to the point because they don't have that attention span. Um, but there's a little boy named Jonah that comes in who has water on the brain and he has a hard time walking, but he likes Mr. Tom, you know, and he comes in and he'll, he'll, he'll crawl right up in my lap 
and we'll just talk for a minute. And, and you know, we ask that the Lord would take away that water, that symptom, that whatever that is. I don't understand it. But that he would help Jonah catch up and that Jonah would catch up and he would be able to walk normal and run and play and go to school and da-da-da. Um, but it's amazing. His parents said that it was amazing that when he crawls up into your lap, that he just calms down. He just... He just takes it down. And he, he makes eye contact and he looks as I just speak to him and I just bless his brain. I just bless him to be normal. God heals from the neck up as much as he heals from the bottom down or the neck down. There's another little boy um, actually, uh, in encampment, Wyoming, who comes down every now and then. His name's Kason. He's, uh, his mom did a lot of drugs when she was pregnant with him, and, and he's all these things that they say that he is. And he's another one that, that when you're in the presence of God, there is an anointing where the people that are struggling with that just find peace for a period of time. And, and people that just talk into their lives and speak healing into their life. And they don't talk about the frustrations and the anger and all of that, but they talk to them how special they are and how wonderful they are. And, and they, they have their own encounter with God that we probably don't even understand. There's another man that comes in, is in his 30s, and is at the age of, of uh, I'm going to say a three-year-old or two-year-old. He really can't talk. He can walk. Uh, he carries his favorite toy with him all the time. But when he comes into the healing rooms, it's when he's out in the healing rooms, he makes a lot of noises that would make some people uncomfortable. Why would you bring him there? But when he comes into the, into the room where he's ministered to, the same thing happens. It's like the anointing rests on him and brings him peace and calmness. And he makes eye contact and he engages with you. And, and he wasn't that way when he came in, but he's that way the whole time he's here because that's the presence of God. That's the anointing. Okay? Myself, I don't feel the anointing. You know, some people... Some people can tell you, oh, can you feel God in the room? Can you feel the presence of God? I'm not one of those people. I want to be, but I'm not. You know, and like I said, there are seers and, and people that see these amazing things, and I'm not one of those people. People that feel not only the presence of the God, not only the presence of God, but, you know, every time they'll go, whoa, like that. You know, like an angel is bumping into them and pushing them out of the way. I don't know how to explain that. That doesn't happen to me either. But I know people that do that. Um, I'm not moved by what I see or what I feel. I just moved by what I know. And the word says, by his stripes you were healed. Let's go after that. Um, we'll keep going. Our guarantee. 2 Corinthians 5.5 5, He who has prepared us for this very thing, God who has given us the Holy Spirit, is a guarantee. A guarantee. I'm one of those guys who buy something, I want it to last forever. Don't care what it is. It could be a light bulb. It could be a refrigerator. It could be a pair of jeans or a pair of socks. I want them to last forever. You know, money is not easy to come by. I love guarantees. To find in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. 
Now that's fun. The anointing. If somebody would read Luke 4, 18 and 19, please. Okay. That anointing rests on you. You have that anointing. You could read that as if you were saying it yourself and not Jesus saying it. That the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. And you need to hear that. You need to receive that. You need to grab hold of that. Because He has anointed you to bring good news to the poor. He's called you to set the captives free. If you don't do it, who will? You can. It's not hard. It's fun. Recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. John 6.13, if somebody would read that. And again, that's prophecy. And, it, and it, it, I don't know if it's a gift, it's an art, or what, to be able to pray and listen and hear his voice all at the same time. If you think of, uh, of Abraham when he took Isaac up to the mountain and he tied him up, and you know Isaac had to be talking about something. <laughs> you know, Crazy old man, what are you doing? And even as he got ready to to kill him with, the, with the, the knife, he was always listening to what God was saying. And if he had not heard God say, look around, he would have killed his son when there was a ram right there. You always have to be listening. When we pray in a team, we don't all pray the same way. And that's great. Because somebody will say something that will quicken your spirit and it will take you in a different direction. And that's okay. Have you ever been praying and you're praying and you're praying and all of a sudden you started over here and now you're way over here in left field and you wondered how you got there? Maybe that's just not because you lost focus. Maybe that's because that's where God wants you. And then you come back around. Don't discard that as, as oh, I'm sorry, God, I left for a little bit, but now I'm back. John, 1 John 3.24, somebody would read that. On page 57, 1 John 4, 4, if somebody would read that. Okay. And 1 John 2, 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and all, and all of you have knowledge. If somebody would read 1 John 2.27, please.
Okay. That's a scripture that you kind of, really God? You don't need anybody else to teach you but the Holy Spirit? Some people get way off the mark on that. And they think they don't need anybody else, that they hear everything from the Lord, and, and it, it's not hard for Satan to twist it and deceive them and get them off track. I have no shortage of women that want to hold me accountable for what I do. I have a whole healing room full of them. Uh, our intercessors are women. Uh, Virginia at the front desk is a woman and is gifted at administration. Um, I tell people jokingly, but I love it, that I have no shortage of people that want to hold me accountable for what I do and what I say. And I need that because I believe that Satan is, is lurking, sitting outside the door, waiting to discredit the ministry. And we've worked way too hard. We've worked way too hard. We've put in way too much time. And, and, and we have sacrificed a little to get where we are today. And I know that he's out there waiting to discredit. And, and I need watchers on the wall. I need intercessors to keep an eye on that. The way you feel right now is the way the anointing feels like. You've grown accustomed to the way it feels. The anointing has no feeling. God did not wire you to be excited all the time because you would burn out. You know, and that's true. I've only felt the anointing come on me twice. And I was sitting in church and I heard uh, they were sharing about a guy who was in the hospital that um, was in a coma because he was in a car accident and he really shouldn't be in a coma. It was not a chemically induced coma. He was just in a coma. And I'm sitting there, kind of like Pastor Jay, and I had my arms out like that, and my arms just got all tingly. And this, the, I feel the anointing of God came on me because my mind just started to take off on what needed to happen for this man. And so I sit there, and I'm, I'm writing this down as quick as I can think it. And the pastor's wife was sitting right in front of me, and so I, I leaned over to her, and I said, this is, for, this is for pastor. I said, please make sure he gets it. You know, because I, I felt like I had to do something, and that's what I did, and I gave it to him. And basically what I wrote down is, you need to go back to the hospital, and you need to go into that room, and you need to command in the name of Jesus that that man's spirit would come back into his body. That's all I wrote down. So uh, him and I have a relationship and he trusts me. So he goes back to the hospital the next day and he goes into that room and, he, and, the, and the man is laying there and there's two other people from, from the church with him. And he goes, in the name of Jesus, I command your spirit to come back into your body now. <laughs> all the bells and whistles in this, in this hospital room went off. They even went off in the next room, and nobody was in that room. All the alarms of everything that, you know, bring the nurses and stuff. This guy sat up in bed, made eye contact with everybody, talked to everybody, you know, and was in his right mind. And, they, and the, it caught them so off guard of what had happened that they didn't know what to do. And, and then the guy laid back down and went right back into his coma. And so I get a phone call. 
what did you send me to do? <laughs> what is going on? You've got to tell me what's going on. And I just told him, that's just what the Lord told me to tell you to do. You know, for, for three or four minutes, this man was fine. He was coherent. He knew where he was at. He knew what was going on. And then he laid back down. And he laid back down. He never came out of a coma, and he died. And there is no reason on earth that that man should have died. Come to find out, his wife didn't want him to live. They were having marital problems. There was trouble in his business, and she wanted out. And then she barred the people from the church to come pray for him anymore. And it's because of her intervention and all that 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 man died, and there was no reason for that. But it, it just totally lit up this pastor on, you need to teach me more about this and what, you know, the, the, the power, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The only other time I felt like that is the, I was sitting in church and the anointing came on me that I had, I had to do something. I had to pray for somebody. I mean, my arms were tingling and they were like twitching and, and, and I, you know, I, they had a ministry time and I asked if I could help and, and just prayed for somebody and that I did. I didn't know who I was supposed to pray for, but I prayed for everybody that came to me and, and, and it was gone. I don't know exactly what happened. Actually, there was a third time I was sitting at my desk and I was, I was doing work on the manual on this syllabus, and it just like overwhelmed me that, that, that the presence of God was there. And I just, I just like, wow, you know, this has got to be the presence of God. I just can't. This is amazing. This is, you know, some people freak out about that, but, and, and you just want more. You don't want to get out of that type of thing. But we're not wired to be there all the time. If I didn't move until the Holy Spirit's anointing came on me, I wouldn't do anything. I just wouldn't, because you just don't feel it all the time. When you step out, you take that step, and you step out and you start to do something, then, then that's when the anointing comes on. That's when it happens to me. When I make connection with people in the room, that's when I get the download. And it comes through thoughts and words. And they may be there because of of one reason, and the Lord's got me clear over in a whole different area. Okay? And I just have, I just have given up to that. Uh, I still ask for words to get words and, and impressions and things like that, but it comes to me when I make that connection. And I've had people go, man, you just read my mail. And it's like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I don't come up with stuff like that. The power for healing. And we've already read Ephesians 20. Now to him by the powers at work and able to accomplish abundantly far more all we can ask or imagine. Somebody's having a good time. Welcome to the healing rooms. Abundant is greater, more, rich, overflowing, excellent, better, and increase. Luke 10.18 He said, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you all authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. <coughs> Romans 8.11, if somebody would read that. Okay. The same 
Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you. Okay? You've got to get a hold of that revelation. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And, and you could honestly say, well, how tough was that? I mean, he was God. He was Jesus. He was perfect. No, the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead lives and dwells in you. Speaks to you. Listens to you. Blesses you. When Jesus hung on the cross, it says that he took on all of our sickness and disease and all of our, you know, all that stuff. And you stop and think about that. Jesus' body started to take on leprosy, Down syndrome, heart failure, kidney failure, uh, sickle cell anemia. Um, it took on high blood pressure. It took on um, cancer, lung cancer, every kind of cancer. He took that in on his body. It was like a sponge absorbing all this crud in the world, and it, and it, it affected his body. They said that, you know, you've heard, you've heard teaching where he was unrecognizable because they pulled his beard out and they whipped him and, and they did all that. He was unrecognizable because he took on all this crud from the world. He took on every sin that ever was. He took on every sin that ever will be. Every sin that you've ever committed, every sin that you ever will commit, has already been paid for. It's already been forgiven. He took that all on. As he hung on that cross, he took that all on. And he went into hell. And so all of a sudden, it wasn't the perfect Jesus Christ that we all knew, the Son of God. It was this, it was this mass of pain and sorrow and suffering. You know, he took on depression. He took on anxiety. He took on fear. He took on trauma. He took on rejection and rebellion and guilt and shame. He took all that on. And... I, and the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead lives and dwells in you. I don't care what you're dealing with. It wasn't that. You know, that, man, you got he lives and dwells in me. You get a hold of that and there's nothing you can't do. What would you do if you couldn't fail at it? What would you do? That's like, Three weeks ago, what would you do if you won a billion dollars? What would you do if you couldn't fail? I'd probably work on my own car. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do if you couldn't fail? That's the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, if somebody would read that, please. I guarantee you, when you go to the healing rooms to minister, uh, whatever night of the week it is, if you go there and you are open and you're ready to pour out into somebody else, you will receive power. You will receive downloads. You will receive words of knowledge. You'll, you'll get prophetic when you didn't even think you were prophetic. There is, a, there is an anointing and, and a surge of energy that comes into you that you 
you let it go. I guarantee it. It happens every time. But you got to step out. You got to show up. You got to go. You got to want to go and do that stuff. Acts 19, 11 and 12. If somebody read that. Okay. That's why we, uh, that's why we at the healing rooms, we do, we have prayer cloths. It's a, a little piece of felt about two inches by two inches. Uh, every one of them is, is anointed by oil, and every one of them is prayed for over our, our intercessors, and, and we give those out free. Boom. You can take them. There's nothing mystical or magical about it. It's a point of reference for your faith. I tell people that if you're having problems with a, with a child, go and take it and put it in their pillowcase. Uh, and I don't care if that child is is 5 or 35 or 65. You go slide it in there. Okay? We, we also give away free little vials of, of anointing oil. And it's anointing oil that we, that, that we make and we put together and we uh, pray over it, we bless it, and we give it to free. And people, again, um, it's just a point of reference where we tell people to go home and anoint their, their doorpost and their windows and and keep that garbage out of their house. They don't need that in their house. I heard a story once of a, of a girl in Africa who had a, a brain tor- a tumor that grew every day, every day. And there wasn't a healing room close. So they, they wrote to a healing room in another country, and they asked them if they could send them a, a prayer cloth. But there's no way it could get there in time. So they put it on a copy machine. They made a copy of the prayer cloth. They faxed that to that country where that little girl was. They took that piece of paper. They t- put it on her head, tied it with a string. She went to bed. The next day she got up, tumor was gone. I don't know how that stuff works, but I like it. <laughs> People that have been prayed for in the healing rooms and had metal plates or metal in their body and they couldn't go through the metal detector at the airport, they, they pray for We ask the Lord to dissolve it. We ask the Lord to turn it. Uh, to make it flexible that it's not metal anymore and they go back through the, the, the detector at the airport and the bells don't go off anymore. Did he remove it? I don't know. I saw a guy, we go to church at, at uh, Resurrection Fellowship in Loveland. Randy Clark had a healing school there about four or five years ago. And this guy had showed, brought an x-ray. He had, he had metal rods in his back at least that long. And I had over 20-some screws that held that rod into place. And, and he, couldn't, he couldn't do anything. I mean, he turned like this. He couldn't bend over. Um, he wore slip-on shoes. He couldn't do any of that stuff. And they prayed for him. And this guy, after, after just a few minutes of prayers, could reach over and touch his toes. And, and then could bend all the way back and do this. And there is no way that he could have done that. I don't know what happened or how it happened, but that again, it, I'm not going to figure it out. I'll just receive it. I'll take it. I like it when he moves that way. James 5.15, if somebody would read that, please. Okay. Any questions about your authority? 
any questions about that at all. I guarantee you what? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> How fun is that? Do you get to keep the five? That's awesome. Praise God you got that back. Cool, I'll give you a five, and if you can turn that into a hundred bucks, that's awesome. So that's authority. You all have authority. All uh, The anointing, I'm sorry. You all have that anointing. It's already resting on you. When it moves on you and you get some strange feeling that you're not used to, you need to do something with that. You really do. Just don't waste it. There are people that have had visitations from God at night in their bedroom and it freaks them out so bad they don't know what to do with it. You know what? Enjoy it. Bill Johnson shares a testimony. Um, and I think he shares it in his book back there called Hosting His Presence, where for three or four nights in a row the Lord came upon him and he shook violently and was in great pain. And he didn't realize what it was for the first two nights, and it scared the ever-loving out of him. And then he dawned on what it was, and even though it was hard, he didn't want it to leave. Uh, I have not experienced that. Uh, I have not experienced, the, you know, like the glory cloud. You hear about a glory cloud that is almost like a fog in the room, and... And you're just in the presence of God. I've yet to experience that, but oh, I want to. And if I get into it, I'm not coming out. Um, there's just an amazing amount of stuff like that. That the Lord's anointing rests on you. And he wants you to use it and move in it. Okay? Any questions about that? Don't wait for the authority, to, uh, the anointing to come on you and then move. You move and the authority will come. You need to get the picture that there is a legion of angels that are standing behind you ready to go and do what you are asking for once you release the name of Jesus. Okay? They're there. They're ready to go. And they're just waiting. They're just waiting. And if it lines up with the will of God, it's a done deal. Okay. We started at one, two. Let's take a, a break.